Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to George Ogilvy, who's the CEO of Battle North Gold, TSXV Gold developer, soon to be a producer. If you want our opinion on that conversation, the company itself, you can catch that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club where you can also find detailed company reports, commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. You can also get training uh, videos. You can get summaries of other interviews that we've done. Of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now and sign up for the waitlist, you qualify for a seven-day free trial. George, how are you doing, sir? Well, thank you, Matt. Good to have you back. We, had, we saw you in July. I see you've been very busy. Feasibility studies come out. Have you been keeping yeah. well, first of all? Let's see. How are you? Yeah, we're all well. We're, uh, we're staying positive and trying to test negative, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that, that is the, that's the aim of the game for sure. Well, so I'm glad, glad you're well. Hey, look, we're going uh, to hear all about the feasibility study and also the, um, the book deal that you guys did because I wanted to catch up and see how you're getting on because I quite like the interview that we did with you back in July. But why don't you kick off for people new to this story and give us that one-minute overview of the business and I'll pick it up from there. Yeah, sure. Uh, we're a developer that's in the prestigious uh, Red Lake uh, gold mining camp. Uh, the project has significant infrastructure, including a mill, a shaft, 14,000 metres of development underground. Uh, we have all the substantial permits in place and we're well funded with 66 million Canadian dollars uh, cash in the bank. So uh, we just filed a feasibility study and the technical report will be following that. By the end of the year, we will be fully financed and within seven months, uh, once we greenlight the project, We'll have first ore on the ground and we'll be pouring gold dory bars before the end of uh, 2021 in uh, the Red Lake gold mining camp. Fantastic. That sounds sounds exciting. But you've um, put in a lot of hard work to kind of get to that point. Um, so just remind people, you know, this, this is a old project, had a lot of money put in terms of the infrastructure. You're benefiting from that uh, for sure. But I think to use your phrase, you had to kind of uh, come in and pull the company up by its bootstraps uh, to yeah. get there. Um, so can I, can we just talk about what you've been doing since July? Because you've been working on this feasibility study. It's just come out. Um, hard work? Yeah, a lot of hard work. Uh, we started the feasibility study with our consultants in November of 2019. So it's uh, been almost uh, 11 months to, uh, to produce these results. Uh, but it's built off of uh, very uh, sound engineering. And of course, we've put out some uh, very robust numbers, uh, you know, considering we're using what we would say are relatively conservative uh, gold price assumptions and exchange rates when compared to uh, the spot prices today. Yeah, you are. I mean, why don't you just run through those numbers? It just allows me to get into the conversation. We just set up the numbers and we, we know what we're working with. Yeah, so we used a US dollar gold price of 1525 US and a 0.74 exchange rate to the Canadian dollar. That gave us an after-tax IRR of uh, just over 50%. Uh, the uh, NPV on the project was uh, slightly north of uh, 300 million Canadian dollars, and we had close to uh, 420 million Canadian dollars in free cash flow over an 8.2 year uh, initial uh, life of mine. 
Okay, so th- those are great numbers. You should be happy. The market has reacted positively. Was it as much as you hoped? Um, yeah, I mean, we think, um, you know, they were positive results. The market did uh, react positively. I would still say, however, that, um, you know, compared to our peer groups out there with a market cap of, uh, you know, only 230 million Canadian dollars, we're still significantly undervalued when you compare ourselves to our our peer groups. So during the feasibility study, you would have addressed a lot of the the risks and tried to understand the economics around those. So some of the things which were certainly being asked about in the marketplace, like the tailings plant, like arsenic levels, uh, high ammonia. I mean, have you resolved those issues? Or do you know how to Um, resolve them? Yeah, we believe so. I mean, so certainly, and with respect to the tailings pond, as part of the upfront pre-commercial production capital, there's $20 million uh, that goes in specifically to the tailings pond, which allows us to reinforce the, the buttressing of the dam. We're also raising the dam by at least two meters which therefore allows us to accommodate all the tailings over the first three to four years of the mine's initial life. And then there'll be a a subsequent left around year three, year four. Um, Again, as part of the upfront capital, there's $6 million, which is being spent on an ammonia reactor, which will go into the uh, wastewater treatment plant. Uh, So that allows us to then discharge uh, water to the natural environment without seeing ammonia levels go above, going above 10 parts per million, which is the threshold. Of course, the original form of management had major problems with ammonia in the pond and couldn't discharge. Also, during my tenure over the last uh, four years, I think about two years ago, we installed a metals reactor into the wastewater treatment plant. So now we can take out copper, lead, zinc, all of those type of metals as well. Uh, before they even go into the pond. They're then retained in geotechnical bags, which uh, get lo- will get loaded up onto trucks and will be taken underground and put into the old stopes. Fortunately, with this deposit, we don't have a lot of arsenopyrite. So arsenic was never a, a major uh, problem for this project in the past. Okay, so talking of which, having sort of um, had a look at the tailings ponds, do you need to upgrade any of your permits or environmental studies? No, nothing uh, right now over the mine's uh, initial uh, pre-commercial production period and first 18 months of production. Remember, the mill is permitted for 1,250 metric tonnes per day. You'll see in the feasibility study, once we get into year two of commercial production, the throughput goes up to on average about 1,270 tonnes per day. And then it slowly moves up to to around 1,500 tonnes per day when we get into year five and six towards the end of the back of the life of mine. So what happens, Matt, is once we are in year one of commercial production, we would have two years of history of running the mill, managing the tailings empowerment area. We'll have plus or minus 300 people on the payroll hopefully strong, positive economic benefits to the community of Red Lake and all the stakeholders. And given it's Red Lake with an 80-year history within the camp, we're talking third, fourth generation miners. We believe in giving ourselves 12 months to go to the uh, regulators, the provincial regulators, 
apply to have the permits amended up to maybe 18 or even 2,500 tonnes per day for the mill, we believe over the course of a year, we should be able to get the permits amended up to those higher levels, which allows us then, as I said, in the second half of year two of commercial production to start running at a higher run rate. You're quite, you're quite cautious. And, and, and obviously, because of what you walked into, I can understand why you're doing that. You know, 1,525 uh, gold for the feasibility is, is, I think, reasonable. We've had people walk in here and base it on 1,900. Um, yeah. But, but what would an 1,800 or a 2,500 tonne per day mill do for the bottom line? Well, it's, it's significant um, for every 10% increase and throughput, it adds about 20% to the NPV of the project. So if you think at um, 420 million NPV at a 15, 25 US dollar gold price, the average throughput over the 8.2 years is around 1300 tons per day. If you were taking that up to, let's say 1500 tons per day, you are going to add 80 to 100 million dollars of value to the NPV at the same gold price. So suddenly now you'd be looking at an around 500 to 520 million NPV on a 15, 25 US dollar gold price. And you're basing that on what? A sort of five, five and a half gram delivered to mill level, are you? Yes. Right. The feasibility study now with reserves shows the diluted head grid to the mill of 5.5 grams per tonne. Right, okay. I mean, significant, that's something you need to work to, but you've got a few baby steps to deliver before then. Um, yeah. Talk to me about the money you raised, because when we spoke last year, 12 million in cash, you've gone and raised 61 million in a bought deal. I mean, where's that come from? Yeah, so it was a bought deal and it was uh, a very strong institutional uh, following. That came from existing institutional shareholders and also some new ones uh, that we brought in on the book. I think the, the largest one would have been Fidelity out of Boston and uh, Toronto. So obviously that's a significant fund. And uh, you know I think the fact that we can attract those type of blue chip names tells investors a lot about the project and the credibility of the management team. So today, cash in the bank, we have approximately 66 million Canadian dollars in the bank. $10 million of that, however, must be allocated to the regional exploration program because those monies were raised using the flow through Canadian exploration expense. So we have approximately 55 million which can be allocated to the project today. The feasibility study revealed that there was a $93 million Canadian funding requirement. So that would tell us that the math on that is we need about 38 million Canadian dollars to make up the funding gap. I'm happy to advise you and also the people listening to or watching this uh, video that we currently have potential debt providers that have put term sheets in front of the company today for up to 50 million US dollars in, uh, in a credit debt facility. And we're quietly confident that by the end of the calendar year, we will have a fully funded uh, project. Fantastic. So that's also going to allow you to take out the Sprott debt, which is like due December 2021. When, yeah, when do you make you that think- decision? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, a 50 million US facility is approximately 65 million Canadian dollars. So it's, you know, way more uh, above the, so let's call it 40 million that we need in, the, in funding requirement. So that's one possibility for refinancing or taking out the Sprott facility. Another option would be that in the second half of next year, as we produce our gold, within the feasibility study, the revenue from gold sales is all in there at 1525 US. But we could be selling our gold next year at 1900 US dollars an ounce, which is approximately an additional 500 Canadian dollars an ounce. If you work that out on 48,000 ounces of pre-commercial production, it's going to give you almost an additional 25 million Canadian dollars in revenue from gold sales, which more than offsets the 15 million dollars of uh, you know lending or the debt that belongs to Sprott Lending Resources. Okay, understood. I mean, it, it's it sounds you sounds in a very good position financially, and it's giving you optionality to get things done and get things done at pace, which is something I know you want to, you're keen to get across last time we spoke. I wanted to pick you up on something you said last time, though, because we talked about the tax loss benefit, right? And the example you jumped to straight away was an M&A scenario. And yeah. I'm wondering why you jumped to an M&A scenario and you didn't give an example where perhaps you could be the beneficiary of this. So talk, talk to me about your thinking. Is, is, is that where this is going? Well, M&A scenario, obviously, the, the, the tax loss pools could be used by the company if we were looking to acquire another asset ourselves. And at 1900 US dollars an ounce, the feasibility model shows that there's actually still some tax pools remaining. So if we were to do an M&A transaction ourselves over the course of the next couple of years, it allows us to move those tax loss pools forward in time, and then we get the time benefit of the money. It's no different than improving the, uh, you know, the cash, the revenue coming from gold sales early on in the project's life. It improves the IRR and the, and the free cash flow and the NPV of the project. So we're not at a stage just yet as a company where we could consider an acquisition but certainly towards the end of next year with our first mine in production and moving to commercial production and generating 40 to $50 million in real free cash flow, if not more, using spot prices, we don't want to be a single asset company. We do have a mandate from the board to look at being an acquirer. And uh, of course, if we could pick up other assets in Ontario, it would allow us to use those provincial tax loss pools as well. There is another benefit to the tax pools. However, if there were strategics out there themselves that were looking at you know, credible projects with good management teams and safe jurisdictions, a lot of corporate uh, gold mining companies today at these type of gold prices are generating significant free cash flow we see that because they're all announcing uh, uh, week by week increased dividends. So if they have any tax pools themselves, they will be eating through them at an accelerated rate. And what an opportunity to pick up a very undervalued project with huge strategic tax pools that could offset the acquisition costs. I'd be disappointed if you didn't say that, George. 
I was just trying to work out which side of the fence you were on. Um, that's fantastic. We're sitting on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Because at the, at the moment, it's, it's a great environment. It's a very frothy, golden environment. And there's, uh, there's a few targets out there, but they're going to be expensive. So it's a question of um, what your priorities are. Because you've also got your own targets. You've also got your own regional land packages that you need to develop out. And I think you're demonstrating to market a consistent approach to delivering what you say you're going to deliver. So I think that's great. Um, But now what? Now what are you going to do? You're going to be pouring maybe July next year, which is fantastic. That thing, that that boat's running. Nice. We like that. But how do you deliver more growth, more excitement in the market? Yeah, good question. So when we realized that, you know, we were going to have a robust feasibility study in the early part of this year and the mill wasn't going to be fully utilized, we started turning our attention to what we call the string of pearls. And these are four deposits. One of them is a former producing mine at McFinley. You've got the pen, the carbonate and the island zone. And they all sit within two kilometers of the mine and the mill infrastructure. These deposits were drilled in the past by former management and they did hit Bonanza grades, but there's no 43101s on any of these deposits. So we're now in the process of producing the first 43101 both for McFinley and the Penn Zone, which will come out in December and January of next year, respectively. And we believe that we're going to be able to show the market that over the course of the next year to two years, as we continue to drill those deposits out, they could certainly act as incremental feed into that mill. And remember what I said about increasing the throughput through the mill and what it would do to the margins and the, the economics of the project. Then beyond that, we've now started to turn our attention to the regional uh, land package, which is extensive. So we have 28,000 hectares of land in Red Lake. It hasn't been explored for well over a decade. And as I said earlier, now we have $10 million cash in the bank that must be spent by December 31st of 2021. So we did a review of our entire regional land package already in 2017. So we have targets prioritized. We know what work has to be conducted and we have a budget for those high priority targets. Last month, we applied for permits to undertake a winter drilling campaign on our top two targets. The permits take about 60 to 90 days before you receive them. And we've also started consultation with our First Nation groups as we have to advise them what we're doing. We are very confident that before the end of February next year, as the ice forms and the winter roads go in, we will have drills drilling on the regional land package, which as I said, is the first time in a decade. Plus, we're in the late stages now of recruiting a regional exploration manager who's gonna manage that entire campaign for for, uh, the company. What does 10 million bucks look like in terms of meters drilled? Well, typically for surface, you know, you'll be looking anywhere between maybe a hundred and a hundred and fifty dollars a, a meter. So, you know, that's you know, fairly significant amount of meterage. But if we have any success there, 
If you look at you know other groups that have did a great job, particularly Great Bear Resources, who are in the Red Lake camp, phenomenal drill results. No 43-101, however, but that's what's getting rewarded today in the marketplace. There's a lot of speculation. Imagine if Battle North Gold hit some Bonanza grade on its own claims within 10 kilometers of its own mine and mill, given we would have a mine coming into production just next year. I think that could really ignite a fire under the share price, and you could see it go exponential, given its red lake and the credibility of the mine, the vast tax loss pools, and a mine coming into production. That's an exciting story. It is. I, I, there you go. I think I think we're done. That's the sales message, folks. I, <laughs> I like. I think there's 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 so many positive components here. I think that people are starting to look at you again, and will continue to look at you, um, especially with this drilling. I, I, that's the bit that kind of gets me going, because you've explained the story of how you get into production. The numbers are there. All the elements are in place. Infrastructure is there. It's the if you can fill the mill, that feed the mill, yeah. and these regional targets actually start doing something for you. It, it could be... It could be very exciting for you. So, look, um, thank you very much for your time today, George. As always, enjoyed talking Thanks, to you. Very thorough, uh, definitely in control, and we look forward to speaking to you again. Yeah, I look forward to it, Matt. Thank you ever so much for your time today. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and, of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.